This Sled Talk features Alan Skelton, State Accounting Officer for the State of Georgia, and Chris Atkins, former CFO of the State of Indiana and current Vice President of Digital Government Transformation for SAP, recorded live on May 18, 2017. Travel approval in government. Just saying the words can be frightening. To get us started, let me ask you some rhetorical questions. Can you book travel under regulation in less than five minutes? Can you take a cell phone picture of a receipt and enter that receipt into an expense report? Can you review or approve invoices or expense reports from your mobile device? And most importantly, would you rather go to the dentist than deal with your government's travel process? Well, if you answered yes or no to any of these questions, we can help you work through these issues today. Before we introduce our guest and get started, a couple of housekeeping items. First, if you have questions, please email them to me or Alan. We will give you our emails at the end of the webinar. You can also share the webcast via social media by clicking on the Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn widgets at the bottom of your screen. Okay, let's get started. Our guest today is Alan Skelton, Chief Accounting Officer for the State of Georgia. I had the pleasure to meet Alan at an event earlier this year and spoke on a panel with him about travel process reform in state government. I was really impressed with Alan, and I know you're going to benefit from the insight that Alan will share today. And I hope you will take away some concrete ideas for how you can reform travel process in your government. Alan, thank you very much for joining me today. Tell us a little bit about your current position in Georgia. Uh, thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Um, I am the, currently, as you said, the State Accounting Officer for Georgia. Been in that position since July 2012 been in the state since about February 2009. Um, as a state accounting officer, I'm essentially the state's controller, oversee the state's ERP, and actually oversee the state's travel policy and travel program as well. And one thing that um, is fundamental to me and fundamental to what I think the job we need to do is to always look for ways to make process and make the state better than it was when I got here. And the topic we're going to talk about today is one of the success stories where we've been able to do that. Excellent, Alan. Um, with your background, I think you're an ideal guest for us, you know, on this thought leadership series. And uh, so let's get right into it and uh, start talking about travel process reform. Okay. Government has to manage travel for a variety of reasons. It's, of course, a significant source of spending. Efficiencies can be gained through an enterprise approach to managing it. And unfortunately, due to the potential for abuse, it's a risk that has to be managed very carefully in the public sector. Alan knows that. I know that from experience as well. A lot of you listening know that too. All that leads to rules, though, which leads to complexity, which can be frustrating for those who travel because government doesn't always manage that complexity as well as it possibly could. I know this from experience, having worked in government for 10 years. As CFO for Indiana, I was actually the one creating the detailed travel rules in an attempt to reduce spend and mitigate our risk. And it often frustrated our people. I actually thought one of my assistants would quit one day because they were so exasperated over the travel rules that I had put in place. Alan, uh, does any of this sound familiar? You know this from experience too, right? So what kind of travel complexity did Georgia have before you embarked on your journey to fix it? Uh, well, thanks, Chris. And I don't think that Georgia was any different than a lot of our state, city, local governments are. Um, the process was manual. The process was paper-based. The process was a lot of people trying to track a lot of the spreadsheets and a lot of paper receipts and looking at stuff and basically doing it with pens and paper and computers and pieces of paper 
And one thing I believe, and I believe this very strongly, is um, manual and paper is never as efficient, never as effective as integrated and automated. And so anytime you can eliminate the manual steps and eliminate the paper um, and integrate something back into ERP, you're going to be better off than you were. Um, the thing we wanted to do and the thing we looked at was how do we deal with the fact that we want to be quicker, we want to have better controls, we want to have better compliance, and we want to have better visibility. And it just seemed like the more we stayed in this manual paper-based environment, we weren't going to get there. And so we needed a different and a better answer. A lot of that sounds very familiar to me, too, from experience. I know in Indiana um, we had a travel office that tried to deal with all the rules that, frankly, I put in place to try to mitigate that risk and that spend. Uh, Good-natured people, uh, well-intentioned people, but they had to create a lot of paper-based processes. And um, so we dealt definitely dealt with the same thing in Indiana. And uh, I don't know for sure, but, you know, our travel office – when I was there, had two to four FTEs. Um, that's two to four, you know, full-time equivalent employees just working to manage that complexity. And uh, for us, this obviously cost money, uh, but it also required us to divert resources away from uh, uh, other things that we could have been spending the time and money on. So um, definitely, I think, you know, when, when you look at government, how it's set up, of course, this isn't just unique to, to travel process reform. Um, government's still manual in very, very many ways. Uh, which yields um, frustration, complexity, and, of course, uh, very little insight and very little data um, on the process. Um, do, what kind of, you know, how were you set up in terms of your travel office before you guys embarked on your, your journey uh, to reform it? And maybe what are some of the changes you put in place because of your ability to automate? Well, okay, so there really and essentially really necessary wasn't necessary one. We had SA, the state accounting officers, always had, primary responsibility for the travel policy. So similar to, similar to how you were in Indiana, uh, we were the ones tasked with writing the rules. Um, and then all the individual agencies, depending on how you count it, 50-plus, uh, all had to interpret and compile those rules in their own process, their own policy. Some people use spreadsheets. Some use pieces of paper. Some use forms. And so what you had is um, the potential for inconsistencies in how it was applied and how it was um, interpreted and therefore, and also how it was enforced. And so, one of the things that started with prior governor and real quickly got adopted by our current governor was there's got to be a better way. Um, the idea that this stuff is all paper and all manual, and some of these rules, to be fair, that to be fair, the agencies and fair to the employees, they weren't that simple. Um, and so sometimes you had instances where stuff was was accidentally wrong. There was no intent whatsoever for it to be wrong. It just wasn't simple to. To, to manage, um, you had you have folks that would audit every single, and I'm sure some folks on the call do, where we, you audit every single travel and every single travel reimbursement request. That's just the manpower in that alone is if you can free that up, you can save yourself tons of time. You're not having to audit. Did they always turn a receipt in? Well, it'd be nice to know that the system forced you to. Um, did they calculate mileage right? It'd be nice to know that the system did it for you. So just the idea that we would go from um, from a paper-based, inconsistent paper-based paper process to one's automated was much better. So what we did, and we did it probably about 2010, 2011, we created a state travel office with an SAO and said, we're going to create a solution. We're going to get a uh, software vendor. We're going to get an automated solution to solve the problem. We're going to support it. We're going to own it. 
it really wasn't a big stretch for us because we already own the state's ERP system, so we're already processing all of HR payroll, AP, uh, GL. We do all that every, anyway for the state. Uh, and so we're going to own it. We're going to support it, and we're going to roll it out over a five-year period, and everyone's going to get on it. It's not a choice. Um, you don't have an option. You're going to get on the system, and we're going to eliminate inconsistencies and, at the end of the day, have a much better, much more controlled, more compliant process that, as a byproduct, will have a ton more visibility. So it, one thing is, yes, it took us time, but the nice thing was we took time because we did it with just the uh, – at the time, we started out with one person. I think now we have four. But the, the stack augmentation with an SAO, and I would suspect that the four people we have is incrementally – and significantly less than what was being done at all the individual agencies. So the agencies have been allowed to avoid costs that they would otherwise had to incur when we were still paper-based. And, Alan, do you think, you know, share with the audience, you know, as you guys have rethought and re-engineered your travel management process, have you seen efficiency gains, and have you seen, you know, a better ability to mitigate that risk that's very important to mitigate in government? Well, I mean, there's certain – we can get into details, I think, in later slides, too, but there's certain things that we wanted a solution to – just simple, basic things. We said we want the solution to integrate into to the travel agent scenario. So when someone books travel, we get that integrated in the solution. We wanted um, approvals. I never wanted to worry about somebody getting paid a reimbursement, and I didn't know it was ever approved. I wanted that in the system. I wanted that electronic approval. I wanted the system to tell me if a receipt was required, you had to give me one. I didn't want you to be able to submit a request without a receipt. Um, if you're going to pay for mileage, I wanted the system to calculate the mileage and not have someone do it manually. So things, things are something as simple as someone used their car and went on a trip, and they went on a trip, and they turned in a request, and the request for, was for 200 miles. Now I've got somebody trying to calculate how far it was from point A to point B to point C to point D in the old days. In the old days, we used odometer readings to somewhat do that, and that alone is fraught with, is the dominant reading right or not? I mean, how do you know that really was what it was? Um, well, I mean, in Concur right now, it uses waypoints. You put in the system what your starting point was and what your point B address was and point C address was and point D address was, and it automatically calculates it for you. And then on top of it, it automatically deducts your commute miles. So we went from manually calculating mileage to having the system do it for us. So I don't, probably don't worry about mileage being wrong anymore. Um, but that was something from a manual standpoint which was hard to recalculate. So that's a great example of how we changed the process and got rid of something that was um, manual and labor intensive and made it something that perhaps you don't have to think about anymore. Alan, great discussion on the benefits of reforming the process itself. But let's switch gears now and talk about end user experience. What role should it play in states and localities thinking about doing travel process reform, and who is the end user anyway? That's a great two-part question. And it's interesting because when we did concur, remember we did an RFP for concur in 2010, um, I'm not sure how much we actually understood the importance of this being relevant. Um, I'm not sure, I mean, you know, it's hard to think, but seven years ago mobile computing wasn't as top of mind that probably is today. But what we've realized on the backside is it does matter, and it matters more than I think any of us realized. And the fact that Concur has gone there with us without us really realizing that and taking it there has been a, 
a great benefit. And what I mean by that is we've got two sets of real uses. We've got the person traveling and you've got the person actually reviewing the travel. Um, it is extremely easy um, within like not even needing to be explained to you easy of open up an app and approve an, ex uh, an expense report because it's all there. You can see it. So as an approver, I can go on, on, on the website, desktop, or on my app on my iPhone. Without anybody explaining anything to me, I can figure out how to approve a timesheet. I mean, approve an expense report. Um, and, it's, and the receipts are there, and I can see them, and it, it's nice and convenient and intuitive. The other thing we've realized, too, is as we transition from, you know, folks that have been here and been at the state for 30, 35 years or whatever it might be, and we start having folks that are younger come in, um, they expect everything to be electronic and mobile, and they expect to be able to do it on their desktop or, more importantly, on their phone. And the simple fact that someone, if they wanted to right now today, can go on a trip and without ever picking up a computer and with just their iPhone could submit a travel expense form, their manager using their phone could approve it, and it, they actually money would be in their bank account and a couple of days later, and they never touched the desktop and never had to, you know, staple a receipt to a piece of paper. Ex people nowadays, especially the younger generation, they expect that. Um, and I'm not sure we thought about that seven years ago, but I'm glad that um, it's there because I think the adoption rate and the actual uh, belief in the system by some of those folks is actually a lot higher than it would have been otherwise. I want to share a personal example here as well along these lines. Uh, when I was in government, I was somewhat spoiled in that I never had to submit my own expense reports. Um, when I was SAP, of course, you know, we, we use Concur. And uh, I never had any training on Concur and never submitted an expense report in my life. And I did it at SAP, no problem. And, and it was just so easy and intuitive to use. So if an ex-CFO can do it, I think anybody could probably do it. Don't you? Yeah, no, you're, I laugh, and I didn't mean to laugh at you, but uh, when we first went live a long time ago, I think in the seven years we've had the tool, I don't think I've ever been to one training class. Because a lot of it's just intuitive. Now, maybe because I've, you know, I've done all this kind of stuff a lot in my career, but it doesn't take a lot of stuff. And I think that's the nice thing from an end user. Your approvers, especially, because your approver community is your management team, right? And they don't, they're not going to really want to necessarily have the time to sit in a training class. They don't need one. Uh, they just don't. Um, they, they, they um, the workflow is so simple and so straightforward where, and the nice thing is you get, you get emails, and I do, at least the way we configured it. I get emails telling me that there's something out there for me to approve. Uh, and as an end user, as, as, as a person who submitted it, they get, a, they get approvers, which I didn't even get to a minute ago, but from a user experience, one of the things I think as an end user you love, you know, when you're a paper, you submit this form and it goes in a black hole and you hope your manager approves it and you hope it gets AP and you hope AP keys it and then you hope it actually gets extracted for payment and then you hope you get your money at some point, sometime in the future. Um, one of the things that I think the end user community really likes about concur in the way it's built is you know it when it's submitted, you know it when your manager approves it because you get an email, you know it when it's been um, loaded by AP, you know it's been extracted for payment for an ACH, so you're getting, without you doing anything, without even logging in, you're getting emails that are telling you, yes, it went to Bob, and yes, Bob approved it, and yes, it went to AP, and yes, AP's keyed it, and yes, it went to, yes, it got extracted in batch last night to get processed, and so yeah, I'll have it in my bank in two more days. Um, you didn't have that when it was paper. You know, you didn't know when you were going to get your money. 
and now you always know when you're going to get your money. And even if you don't read the email, you can just log in to concur and see it in, and see it in the environment. So you've eliminated a uh, for, for an employer, you've eliminated a black hole in terms of when they're going to get their money. And some of these folks, and I know you probably know this, some of these folks, especially some of these folks that are you know social workers for defects or party parole people for parties, you know they're on the road all the time and you know, this is a big deal to them to be able to get that reimbursement as fast as possible because they're doing jobs that, um, as I know accountants don't, they're doing jobs that affect lives. And so the last thing I need them worrying about is where their money's going to come from. And so the fact they're getting emails, they don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, you want them focused on mission, not, you know, right. trying to comply with the travel rules. Well, you I want, want them to know, right? Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. So, Alan, we talked about reforming the process. We've talked about uh, making travel a less frustrating end-user experience. But we're going to have a lot more data now if we reformed it and brought it into a, a single platform. So how can this reform yield better insights for managers using this data? Well, I think this is all going to be about, like I think you said, you're going to have more data than you ever did. Uh, reality is um, – going back to the idea of what we were, it was paper-based. So we didn't have, and we knew, friends, I knew who traveled. I know how I know how much money they got reimbursed. I know what agencies had what travel. I knew if somebody traveled, how much airfare I'd spent last year, how much I'd spent in hotels last year, how much I'd spent in rental cars last year. But if anybody wanted to go one level below that, in other words, what airlines did we fly? What cities did we fly to? What hotels did we stay at? What rate did we pay? You didn't have that because your, your AP system didn't require it and your GL didn't need it. You just needed to know, um, in fact, someone did travel and they got reimbursed for airfare, they got reimbursed for hotels, they got reimbursed for, for per diem. So you only, you only went a certain level deep in terms of data. And so what you realize real quickly is Concur gives you uh, not only transactional level data at a much lower level uh, that you have, so you'll have what airlines you flew, what city pairs they used, when the tickets were bought, how much the airfare was, how much you have all this data, um, right? And we talk later about what you do with it, but you have all this data. But you also have things that you didn't think about. You'll have, you know, so-and-so complains that they don't get their travel that quick. Well, you will not have the ability to go in and say, yeah, the average manager approves travel in three days and your manager approves it in ten. You wouldn't, that, you wouldn't know that. You would never have known that. Um, so there's not only, like, transactional tech level data from a pure dollar standpoint you have, you also have like operational insights into data that you would have, with a paper-based process, you would have never had it because quite honestly with a paper-based process, the time it took just to get the reimbursement in the system, i.e. pay Bob $100 for his travel, you weren't going to go the extra link and say, now we pay him $100, but he stayed at the Holiday Inn, and it was $69 a night with $20 in tax. You weren't going to go that level of detail because it was already burdensome. Uh, with it being automated and it being done by the employees, now not having to keep centrally by a central staff, you spread the you spread that work out, and now you can ask for more data. Um, and again, it's data you never had. And so, on some level, to say what you can do with it, there's almost an endless number of options and an endless number of ideas. There are some specific examples we can talk about later, but the point is, you're going to have information that you never had before. Alan, what can we do with all that insight that we've gained? How can managers and leaders take action to make things better using this data? 
Well, we touched on it two ways a minute ago, and we touched on one kind of the operational things, and we touched, I'll touch two on like the actual dollar amount examples. And I'll just give a couple, or just give a couple basic examples. Um, because you're now going to know things, you're going to know things. So let's say, for the state of Georgia, this was all, Concur was all for us, was all about get rid of the paper, get rid of the manual, have better compliance. We want better control. We want a travel process that's well controlled and has an incredibly high degree of compliance. Um, so things as simple as, you know, you're supposed to buy your line tickets 14 day advance. I now know when someone didn't. Now there might be a valid reason why someone didn't, right? And 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 but we require now and concur. You tell me when you didn't do that. So if you buy a ticket seven days out, it requires a comment or you can't submit it. Um, so I'll know that okay, yeah, something came up, damage, flood, emergency, whatever it might be. But I know why we didn't comply policy. Um, you want a rental car, and you want, you know, we say you've got to take an intermediate-sized car as policy. You get a van. You're going to tell me and concur why you did that. I'm not going to have to worry about figuring out later. So I can real quickly now know when someone's done something outside of policy, but I can also know why. And then we can deal with the whys and deal with it was, deal with was it legitimate or not. And I would, I would argue that in most cases, if you force somebody to give you an explanation, they're going to think twice before they do it, which is part of the better compliance for off the bat. The second day, you're going to get explanations that normally make sense because we all know a policy can't really be black and white because there's going to be facts and circumstances that dictate variations. And so commenting that allows you to still maintain the compliance, still maintain the controls, and but it also allows you to get into other things. And then you can even get into how long things take to get approved, how long things take to get submitted, how long things take to process, just operational cycle time things. But that's only half of it. So the compliance is really, really, really important for Georgia was probably our primary motive. The second other piece of this, which is fantastic, which is also there, which I, I know we're going to eventually take advantage of is this, take hotels, for instance. Um, we never had, we never knew, and could probably never really tell you how many, how many nights we stayed at a hotel in a given year. We know how much money we spent on hotels, but we couldn't have said we had People stay in Savannah, Georgia for 400 nights last year. They stay at these five hotels, and they stay at this rate for those five hotels. Well, obviously, if you take that information and you now know that information, you can go to the hotels in Savannah and say, you know what, from now on, we're going to pick one of you, and we're going to get exclusive with you, but I want a good rate, and I want, a, I, I want this rate per night. And you've got the data back up how many nights you can stay there and how much, and, how much, uh, and what the rate should be. So when you start thinking about things like um, – Hotels, airfare to a lesser extent because there's a little less room you can do with that with the airlines. But airfare, um, because you can't even airfare. You talk city pairs get their attention on that. Um, cars, all that stuff. You have the ability to then say you have now have leverage, especially for states. You have leverage with your with your size of your state to go to some of these vendors and say, look, I'll bring you business, and I've got enough business to bring into the volume, and I've got the data to support it. We would have not had that. Uh, it's very hard to get somebody to give you a discount when you don't know how much business, you can't predict how much business they get. Um, Concur allows us to know that. We know how many nights we stay somewhere and what the rate was and, and so on and forth. So you're armed with a level of detail that, again, you didn't normally have. And for us, that kind of stuff, our cost avoidance, cost savings, that was never primary objective and for us it never probably will be primary objective because ours will always be controlled and compliant. But, man, that's a nice that's a nice thing to stick on top of all that and say, we can get this too. Um, and I really do believe the hotel thing is something we've talked about here recently about starting to talk about whether we go get some of the discounts from the hotels. And so 
I think you can turn a lot of the data into things that, number one, can make your employees happier, number two, can make you better compliant, and number three, at the end of the day, can actually save you money. Alan, the only thing I'll add here, and then we'll move on, you know, to the next slide on lessons learned is, uh, as an ex-CFO, you know, the ability to actually uh, allow people to easily follow the controls uh, is very attractive here to me. Also, the ability to easily change those controls and, and actually have it get into, you know, the operational life of government uh, without somebody having to read a memo and then change what they're doing. It's just automatic. But then also, frankly, the ability to see if the rules are even working, you know, and to see do, if we change this rule, does it make any difference in terms of our strategic intent uh, for managing travel spend? So, so all those things, in addition to what you said, uh, very attractive to me. Well, great, Alan. Uh, last question for you is, you know, what lessons can our audience learn from your travel process journey in Georgia? Um, any other history you can share with us that you think uh, that our audience today might be able to, to take away and implement in their state? It's interesting because I think um, the lesson learned that we learned here in Georgia is actually something we normally think lessons learned are things you didn't do well. Retrospective in hindsight, I think our biggest lesson learned in this is something we did really well from day one of this. This um, was governor-initiated from day one. This was governor-backed from day one. Uh, and I think I said at the very beginning, um, the, agencies, the agencies were told, you're coming on this. Here's a five-year schedule. You're going to get on. Um, I think one thing we fail in a lot of these big enterprise tech level projects is stakeholder um, involvement or stakeholder backing. It's hard, and I'm sure some people on the phone will appreciate this. It is hard to get sometimes to get your your state government to get all your different departments and divisions all on the same page and all want to do the same thing because everyone's special and everyone's different. Well, I think in this case, because we had the tremendous support from the governor's office and we had tremendous support from the Office of Planning and Budgeting, this was a non-negotiable. They were getting on. So it got everybody to the table to talk through what the, what the concerns might be with it when we did it, and we rolled it out. We basically put six to eight agencies on the system every six months. And we, we did that from starting 2011 all the way through uh, last year. And it was just a routine. And we got to a habit where it just happened. And that was another thing I thought lesson learned why was good. We didn't really do a quote-unquote pilot, and we really didn't do a quote-unquote big bang. We basically just said, look, we're going to do five or six agencies every six months, and over the course of four or five years, we'll get everybody. Uh, and we stuck to the schedule. And that's another thing I think the team did well. They, once that schedule was out there, it didn't change. We stuck with it and, and did it. I, I think those matter. I think the other thing that we did that was kind of nice in terms of uh, you have to message this thing, this thing right, too. And, you know, travel can be one of those things, especially in Curry, especially any type of, like, fast solution. There, you got to be careful how you message it. For us, it was never really about savings. Uh, because savings, is, as folks in the call know, savings are sometimes not only hard to quantify, they're hard to capture. And then you get in this really big conversation down the pike about whether or not you actually got that or not. This was always about for us. It was about process, control, compliance. And I can tell you all day, I can give you 50 examples of how we are better in that world. Uh, not that we weren't good then, but we're better now. And so that's a simple success message you can, you, you can, people have a hard time arguing with rather than, well, you said you were going to save X and you only saved Y. Why? That was never primary, never primary focus. Not that yes, you can't. I don't want anybody to think I said that. I'm not saying that. Just that wasn't primary because I think most folks, especially in public sector, understand the ramifications of 
a newspaper article about so-and-so did something with travel. And for us, that was the primary thing we're trying to avoid, is not having that kind of conversation. Uh, and I think that was important. And then the last thing important is just talk. I think you got to talk to the agency. you got to talk to your stakeholders. you got to talk to your, to your employees. We trained, and we've done, I can't even tell you, thousands of hours of training. And we did every time we had a rollout where we did in-classroom training with folks to try to get, this, to try to get them to understand it, not because the system's hard, but because it's different. And anytime you change it and make it different, you have to have you have to pull the people along. Uh, the system itself is intuitive, but you've got people that just are going to fight you, and so you train them and you train as much as you can. Uh, and I think if you do those, you'll be good. Uh, again, I think I said earlier, if you're used to a computer and used to doing things in an ERP system, this this process is pretty darn self-explanatory and pretty darn intuitive. So those users are not going to have it, are not going to have any concerns. It's your ancillary folks that you have to bring along. Well, like I said earlier, Alan, I think if I can do it, I'm pretty sure anybody can do it. Um, me too. Alan, thank you so much for your time today and your insight. I know it was valuable to me. I know it was valuable to our audience. Thank you, audience, again for tuning in this month. Uh, here's our contact information if you want to learn more, email address for both me and Alan. Please email us if you have any questions at all about today's webinar, and we, we will be happy to answer those. Thanks again for, for joining today's discussion. Please click on the third Thursday icon below to register for future discussions with state and local government thought leaders. Next month, we talk about smart cities with Bill Eggers from Deloitte Consulting. I've known Bill for more than a decade. Happy to work with him, innovate with him, and you will not want to miss this next month on smart cities. So thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next month.